0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage, Captain Jean Luc Picard of the U.S.S. Enterprise. Commander Benjamin Sisko, the Federation Starbase Deep Space Nine.
1: Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast. The Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica.
2: I'm Ben Harrison. If you hear a saw in the background, that's because somebody has <laughs> set up a saw at Adam.
1: It's uh, it's actually kind of a scary scene. Uh, someone has set up a table saw outside my studio and then uh, left a note on my desk that says, the key to stopping the table saw <laughs> is inside
2: your body. <laughs> Don't worry Adam, you'll pass it soon enough. Like you pass yeah. everything. <laughs>
1: What what Jigsaw didn't realize about choosing me as a victim is that I would shit out a key in less than a 90 minute movie runtime. More more like 9 minutes even. I, I
2: shit out keys like this for breakfast.
1: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Terribly reviewed Jigsaw movie would be the one where I was the victim. Just um, not
2: enough suspense. Yeah. Well, uh, I just went over to the uh, post office to check our P.O. box, and we have mm. quite a haul here. Thank you for your service, Ben. Yeah, well, and thank you to the people using the post office to, uh, to send us stuff. Uh, do you want to do a little, little uh, mailbag segment? It's our most beloved segment, Ben. Let's <laughs> do it. Most beloved by us.
0: <laughs> Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes
2: only. Okay, I'm going to do our customary opening in order of bigness. It's what our wives did with us in choosing
1: us. Yeah. (laughs) They got married to the biggest last.
2: Right. Um, Which I guess since we're both of their first husbands, that's not good for us. (laughs) Um, The first one is a postcard. And, uh, the, uh, postcard says That sparkle in my eyes is the internet Oh And it's, a like a Greek statue of two people With arms around each other It just says to Ben and Adam Thanks for helping us all get through these crazy times With love from... <sighs> I don't, I cannot read who the love is from I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the person who's sending us the love Will, will, will follow up and, and text uh, and email us or tweet us or something because I can't, I can't read their handwriting show me L
1: Y R is is what I think those, those letter, letters are, LUR
2: LUR? Boy I, I'm not sure if I agree with you Adam <laughs> I think this could be, they could have signed in like Arabic for all I know it's very hard to read this anyways, thank yeah. you for the postcard anonymous sender <laughs> Uh, this next one is a kind of a a big envelope type letter. It's from uh, David C in Al- New Albany, Indiana. Mm. I almost said Albany. That's not where he's from. He's from New Albany.
1: You don't want to confuse New Albany with Old Albany. They, they
2: hate that there. They fixed all the all the problems with the original for the for the reboot. Right. But they also recast it with women in the in the leads and a lot of people. That was very controversial All right Uh, Let's see we've got a letter here Code 47 captain's eyes only it says uh, on this letter hand drawn Hand drawn communicator badge Dear Ben and Adam, I was checking out the older Star Trek toys at a local shop back in the before times and found this masterpiece. I couldn't remember if someone had already sent one to you, but if so, now you can both have one. The only downside is that it didn't come with a Captain DeSoto figure. Despite that, I hope you enjoy receiving this as much as I enjoyed learning it was a thing that existed keep up the great work. I love listening to both The Greatest g- Generation and The Greatest Discovery, and really hope you guys decide to do Voyager at Enterprise as well. Listening to your shows is one of the highlights of my week, as I am a truck driver and have lots of listening time. How about that? Riker eyes to credits.
1: He's got a long way to go and a short time to get there.
2: What he has sent us is something that we do actually have one of, but one that has been on tour with us a lot and is falling apart. It's a, a mini... Uh, Excelsior Class Starship Mini Playset It's the USS Hood, Adam That's great And it's got Riker and Geordi Miniature action figures to go with it I believe that Bill Tilly sent us The other one of these that we have and, I think so too uh, With the
1: way we treat our things on tour I think it's vital That we have a backup ready we, to we,
2: To be field promoted to, uh, to Stage duty Redundancy is what we need, most of all. Um, this is super cool.
1: Uh, David C. mentioned something that, that is stuck in my brains, which is why there isn't a Captain DeSoto action figure. You know, we've seen all the time people that, that kind of bash the action figures and put different heads on different bodies. Sure. Who's got the head that looks most like DeSoto, you think? Like, <laughs> And I'm talking about across action figure history. I bet that exists out there Like you get sort of a Gene Hackman looking head And stick Mm. it onto a a Captain Picard body
2: There's your DeSoto There's your DeSoto, yeah Uh, Somebody make that Thank you, David Thanks, David, super cool Okay, Uh, next Adam, we have this This person put this package in a garbage bag And then completely covered it in shipping tape
1: I think that's what's Uh.
2: known in the
1: shipping industry As discrete packaging Ben, you're probably <laughs> used to getting packages like this.
2: It does have it does say not penis cream on <laughs> the outside. Uh-huh. Um, uh, this is from Pedro A in Port Washington, New York. It also has like, the address that it's from is from like a pretty major internet company. That's I don't know what to make of that. All right, what we have here is a box for a Vernon 101 Dual Eight Movie Editor. What? I wonder if I wonder if this is in fact an 8 mm editing device. Holy shit! It totally is. Wow. This is Look like at that. The, the cutting rig yeah. that lets you edit your eight-millimeter home movies. It's got some uh, some daylight spools. Some oh, it's got the little uh, razor platform where with the. With the bumps in it, so that you can you can that. register register yeah. your f- your film on the right spots and then cut it. Yeah. Wow. Looks like original instruction manual is here. Oh, here's a here's a here's some college ruled paper. I bet this is a note to us. Dear Ben and Adam, and more recently John, uh, I've been a viewer for a while, been to all of the live shows, but never had cause to write in. Then my wife decided to clean out her family's garage. When I saw this old film thingy, I immediately thought of you guys. I have no idea if this is cool or a total piece of shit, but I figured you guys would know what to do with it. Thanks for your work on Friendly Fire and all things Trek. It has expanded my way of watching movies, taught me a ton of stuff about writing film, and surprisingly, raps. (laughs) Also, thank you for making me that guy who laughs out loud on the subway. Side Pedro! Uh, thank you, Pedro. This is in fact cool. I don't think it's trash at all. I think it's treasure. Think... Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about wraps. I was really worried that you were gonna <laughs> you no, were gonna would... pick an unwinnable fight with me.
1: I would I would never argue about that with you, Ben. Who cares?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is super cool. Thank you for sending it in, Pedro. All right, last biggest package here is from Curtis. G in Santa Cruz, California. Go slugs. We've got a little little note. It says to Adam and Ben. And then on the back it says, or is it Ben and Adam? I was wondering that myself. I, I don't know if we've ever decided on that. But uh, dear Adam and Ben, I know you'd probably rather get a box full of money, but here's hoping these items will help alleviate any past t-shirt or other related trauma. The cocktails from our local distillery. Hope you enjoy them. And close also find a book of Hawaiian and Pacific food recipes to help indulge your tiki enthusiasm. My wife is from Hawaii and gets mad at me whenever I try to do anything related to Hawaiian culture, so it is far safer in your hands. Also, please enjoy these Star Trek-themed cord wraps and luggage tags lovingly handcrafted by my amazing aunt, who... Who lives in Orlando No Is that Orlando? Oh no no I don't know what that says Onano? Oh, Ordano? It's not Oahu is it? Yeah it's not. definitely not Oahu Does she call her Aunt Ohana? Nope Huh uh, I'll just say Ankylosaur. Lovingly handcrafted by my amazing aunt Someday we can all travel again You guys are the best Wow Thanks Curtis Let's see what we got here Oh boy, we have some canned beverages from Venus Spirits. We've got gin gimlets. Hey, wow. that's another podcast empire. Uh, vodka mules, two, two of each of those.
1: Are those standard size cans? It's hard for me to tell the scale. Yeah, of these them.
2: are these are uh, like the size of a like a beer can or a cool. soda can. Cool. Um, and then we've got. A book called Hawaiian and Pacific Foods. It's kind of old-timey-seeming recipe book because it's got definitely has like a '70s kind of vibe to to the layout and stuff.
1: You know what? That'll uh, go great on your shelf of cocktail books, Ben. That's great. Yeah, I love the way Curtis described his uh, his attempts to enjoy Hawaiian culture in spite of his wife's reluctance to do that. It made
2: me wonder. Uh,
1: how your interest in, in Jewish culture goes over with your wife?
2: My wife tends to be pretty encouraging of my uh, of my you know making a latke or something. <laughs> um, she has, she tends
1: to be encouraging of your many complaints.
2: <laughs> this is great. Uh, baked banana recipe in here. Fried bananas. Now you're talking my language. All right, Well oh, boy. Like a lot of fun. Creamed taro. Tarot puffs. Here's the recipe for poi, Adam. We finally have it. Ha ha! Thank God. Give me that poi. And uh, here are the uh, the luggage tags and little little pouches.
1: Oh, very cool.
2: Little Spock themed luggage tag there. Wow, those are great. Yeah, these are super neat. Uh, tell your aunt thank you, Curtis, and uh, and and thank you from us. This was super fun. Yeah,
1: I love I love it when you go to the post office to retrieve our gifts, Ben.
2: Always a delight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, do you want to uh, delight even further by getting into today's episode, Adam? I can hardly wait,
1: Ben, to discuss Deep Space Nine, Season 6, Episode 17. Wrongs darker than death or night.
0: Do you realize how incredible this is? No, of course you don't.
1: I think maybe for the first time ever, our show opens on a butt. (laughs) An actual butt of a dabo girl goes past the frame. I can see it now. The first thing it makes me think of is, does this dabo girl keep her butt in the same place as anyone else? Because Uh. if she's walking by your table... With that dumper, and it's barely covered with a piece of fabric that makes up her dress, I mean, that could make for an unsanitary situation.
2: Yeah, the work environment at Quark's is not biologically sound.
1: You get yourself a food handler's permit in any state. I think one of the first pages will
2: tell you, keep your butt away from the food. (laughs) Keep that dumper covered up. (laughs) Yeah. Dumps unlike a truck only. Yeah, real really sets the tone here. There is a lot of, like, male gaze stuff in this episode, and that does set the tone. Yeah, it kind of does. That's the only butt we see, I think, right? It's, a, it's, the, it, it's the camera tracking a butt until it lands on Dax and Worf, who are hanging out in Quarks, having a little convo. What do we know about Worf, Adam?
0: Worf, is this your idea of sex?
2: He is not a party dude. Uh, which would make him not the
1: Michelangelo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think he's cool but rude. (laughs) Right. The Saratoga has pulled into port, Ben, and you know any time the Saratoga comes to town, uh, it is time for a Saratoga party. (laughs) What? This is something that Dax wants to put together. This is something that Worf is not interested in. I think he'd look great in a toga.
2: I, think I don't know what too. he's concerned about. Yeah, he's already got a lot of sash game. So like it Toga and Sash are very closely related garments. He's gotta tie two sashes around his waist. That's what I think. You would think being in an interspecies relationship and knowing what she does about Klingons based on three hundred years of experience, Dax would know better than to suggest a party where Everyone comes in Klingon face. Problematic. Very problematic. I think this should be a bigger fight, to be honest. The whole episode should have been about this. Get woke, Dax. What
1: the fuck? Guess who's very unpopular in the Klingon Empire, Dax? to
2: Jolson <laughs> He goes, <is> without honor. <laughs> <laughs> cut,
1: cut to Kern in his, in his apartment watching uh, old-timey television. I am not familiar with this comedian's work.
2: It must have been a different time.
0: (laughs) This has the tone of jokes, but no punchlines I can detect. It's a good thing that the studio
1: audience (laughs) is so full of laughter. (laughs) I think they're
0: carrying him rather than the other way around.
1: Jax kind of uh, gives up the plan for a party easily, which leads me to believe that she never really wanted to have a party to begin with. She was just giving for the old goose.
2: Yeah. She winds up uh, catching up with Kira, who has just taken delivery of some flowers from Quark. Flowers by the keg is yeah. what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. The prop uh, that the flowers come in is definitely that like hologrammy paper stuff that your teacher would make a, uh, a display out of in your elementary school classroom
1: It's what you'd paper the outside of a, of a shoebox with if you were going to make a diorama
2: Yeah, or, or like the donation box at a, you know if we're, if we're going to save the rec center with a dance-off or something like that. Donate your cans for the food drive <laughs> <laughs> This one lady can't donate her cans because she only has the two and she needs them for Dabo. Uh, yeah,
1: uh, Quark is the giver of these flowers to Kira, and this little detail catches Dax's eye. She's like, What's going on between you and Quark? Now, don't be disgusting.
0: I ordered them for myself.
2: You can't even see his brain, Dax. Why would I date him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it turns out
1: it's something that she does for herself every year on the occasion of her mother's birthday.
2: She uh did not know her mother terribly well. Her mother died when she was three years old, but she has fond remembrances based on what her father told her about her mother, bravest woman he ever met and uh, And so Kira tries to kind of keep a keep a flame lit for her mother by by you know observing this birthday every year.
1: Kind of classless that quark asks for money for the flower arrangement in this moment that'll be thirty strips of platinum, Kira
2: <laughs> yeah I don't it, care what these flowers are for he he is a uh, a profiteer in the deceased parent industrial complex the same way yeah. you know your arrangements for your wedding are going to be more expensive than they would be if you ordered them for another purpose
1: i mean dead parents club is definitely a type of person he wants to cultivate (laughs) into this business opportunity yeah
2: he he wants to develop as many leads in that in that demographic as possible
1: so with kira having beat back the accusation of a love affair with quark uh, she goes back to her quarters and is woken up after falling asleep from a video call it's a facetime from ducat yeah that's not who you want to wake you up in the middle of the night right
2: yeah and it's a it's kind of anonymized she asked the computer who the call is is from and uh, there's no caller id the screen says possibly spam yeah (laughs) and uh, he says like don't even bother trying to trace this i'm I'm Elite Haxor. I just wanted to talk to you about your mother.
0: She was a striking
2: woman, your mother. Kind of trying to pay pay it forward because uh, you know the scales have recently fallen from my eyes. W slash R slash T, my relationship with the occupation, uh, and uh, and I want I want to give the same the same gift to you. Do you think this scene suggests anything about Ducat's Mental
1: uh, abilities at this point because he seems pretty put together. He does not seem to be the screaming, punching, loss of mental faculties Ducat that we got in the caves with Cisco.
2: I kind of think that it's kind of the difference between Randy Quaid calling a pizza parlor and placing a dinner order versus Randy Quaid making a YouTube video. Like, <laughs> I'm sure he can do. A, but when he does B, he just seems so unhinged that it's hard to imagine. So you're,
1: you're, what you're saying is that uh, Ducat is being the Cardassian that he wants Kira to see in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. He's tailored his messaging to the audience,
2: right? And okay. uh, it was on my mind because I was just like listening to a podcast. Uh, Based in Vancouver, and they realize that like a house that a couple of the co-hosts walk by frequently, that has a uh, a Trump sign in the window is Randy Quaid's house, (laughs) and they're like, you know, just confused about the fact that he that there's a house in Vancouver with such a sign, but also like, what the fuck? (laughs) Wow, (laughs) that's who lives there.
1: (laughs) I wonder how full his shitter is. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell in the scene. Um. How serious Ducat is because you hear the single pan flute of Bajoran storytelling. Mm. I immediately believed his sincerity as soon as I heard this little number in the score.
2: Yeah, he's 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 telling her about her mother. What a what a good looking lady she was. Real sturdy woman. Yeah, real handsome
1: lady. Nice try, Ducat. But you never knew my mother.
2: It made me wonder how old Ducat is supposed to be because. He's talking about having had a relationship with Kira's mother when Kira was, you know, younger than the age of three.
0: Your mother and I were lovers almost from the moment we met. And we remained lovers until the day she died.
2: But he, uh I don't know. I would have guessed he was like
1: 45 before I mean, if you do the math on what Dukat's saying, I think he's suggesting that he and Kira's mother may have had a May and then May of next year relationship. <laughs>
2: yeah, no kidding.
1: This is so ridiculous that Kira can't even, like, get angry. She's like, whatever, Ducat, Thanks.
2: Yeah. But then, uh, you know, next morning at work, she's, she's just having none of it. No fucking around is being tolerated by Kira. People are, like, dropping their iPads and and staring at her with their jaws dropped when she chews out the chief and the doctor for having a non-work-based conversation in ops. I can't imagine that this is that shocking, that Kira's not to be trifled with when she's at work.
0: Well, all right, everyone. We're not at the replimat. We're not here to drink Ractogenos and catch up on the latest gossip. Let's get to work.
2: I
1: thought I knew all of the phases of (laughs) Kira up until now. Gotta tell you, Ben, the uh, the angry, strict, taciturn Kira is a type of Kira I really like.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I th- I felt like I had done the math, and I, I I could tell that that Kira was there, that we just hadn't seen it depicted. I wore out the Netflix for <laughs> this
1: part of the episode. Yeah. Tell me to shut up again, Narice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've been bad. Not the only thing you wore out. <laughs> A lot of gym socks died that day.
0: Golden cotton The cotton. Golden cotton Go So.
2: And so she goes into ha- having chewed chewed them out, and then I think chewed Odo out for like allowing a two percent uptick in petty crime on the promenade. Odo is like, I have the
1: statistics. Two percent is one eighth of a crime.
2: <laughs> How am I supposed to investigate that? <laughs> Is that even possible, technically, (laughs) for a crime to have been committed? It's not as
0: bad as it sounds, Major.
1: I think it's clear from this scene that Bashir broke some sort of hippo rules, right? Like, he told Odo that Kira was in a bad mood. (laughs) Is that a medical diagnosis, or is that just a social diagnosis? That That would be a fun scene. There is a lot of, like... Like, it's a sequence, right? Kira's going around the station, and everyone's noticing this thing about her, and then Kira finally goes to Cisco, with with what actually happened, the reason for her irritability. Mm-hmm. And Cisco is, at first, a little disappointed that he didn't know that there was a message that blew in from Gul
2: Right. Seems like something that should have probably been flagged for his attention. Kira was
1: not obligated to tell him what it was about, but I think that's, that rises to the level of something you bring up at a McLaughlin group. (laughs) Yeah, it's
2: an issue. It's an issue. We don't know if it's issue one or issue ten, but it's an issue.
1: Pat Buchanan does not bring up the issue of impeachment. (laughs) It's kind of all we can think about, Pat.
2: Yeah. So what she requests is special leave to go consult the orb of time traveling
0: are you telling me that you built a time machine out of
2: a- the orb of time traveling
0: the way i see it if you're gonna build a time machine why not do it with some style
2: which is a pretty uh, astonishing thing to just write into an episode oh yeah one of these or- orbs of the prophets will let you time travel and it's uh, like the mechanics of that time travel are never, never explained. Like if that, if it's like visiting the past in, in, you know, in just an observational capacity or if you're actually traveling in time, he di- he is worried about fucking up the timeline and she's like, oh, don't worry, the, uh, the prophets will guide me. And that's not a reassurance. Like the prophets don't know about linear time. <laughs> they can't wrap their crazy heads around it. It, I think
1: it's pretty clear that they not only don't know about it, if they do, they don't care. Right. And I think the one thing that you need to know about any television episode or movie that has to do with time travel are all the rules. Like, that's, that's like the main thing about time travel movies, right?
2: Right. Like, if she goes back to the past and kills Gal Dukat, does it change the, the present? <laughs>
1: Not only that, like god, they really breeze past this conversation fast. Before we know it, we're on Bejor. Yeah. Like uh, and when when we're with Kira, she approaches the thing. This thing has got to be under constant guard. Yeah. Can you imagine the millions of people trying to throw themselves at the orb of time travel in order to change their past? <laughs>
2: I mean, this is literally, like, it's like an episode that is about, like, if you could go into the past and kill Cardassian Hitler, would you? And it's also, like, totally uninterested in the mechanics of that question.
1: Imagine right now there is an object that allows time travel somewhere on our planet, and everyone knows about it. Yeah. It's just a religious thing. That's all it is.
2: Imagine that object existed, and then, like, last night, right before you went to bed, you got a call from Hitler and said he <laughs> jammed your mom. Like, would you be mad enough to go use it to kill him? Your mother's dumper is very attractive. <laughs> she was my comfort woman, anyways. Tootaloo.
1: <laughs> I don't know how you get past this this moment in the episode, and yet I think the episode is counting on the briskness with which it goes by. Like, oh. you're immediately back in time with Kira, so fast, in the, in the span of half a scene, basically, yeah. that it's counting on you uh, looking at the jingling keys over here.
2: Yeah, like, we're in the Star Trek caves looking at impoverished Bajorans now. Stop <laughs> thinking about Cardassian Hitler fucking your mom.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, not to skip to the end, I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is such an intense scene because she comes across her family, her 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 dad, the, Thomas Kopachi, reprising his role as uh, as Kira Taban, yeah, and uh, and we meet Kira Maru, Major Kira's mom, and we meet Kira, yeah. we meet kid Kira, yeah,
1: yeah, precocious fun she totally breaks another toddler's arm and and what they both thought was just a just a little play wrestle
2: yeah she she kicks a lot of ass gets a hold of one of the Cardassian's weapons and blows up a pizza oven and everybody's like come on we're we're running low on food you had to blow up the pizza oven it's a
1: pretty sad scene ben the the refugees are dirty and bedraggled the hasperat is not spicy Mm. everyone's everyone is a real bummer yeah and there's like fights over soup rations that's maybe the saddest part
2: right fighting over soup the the bajoran guys that come over and and try and steal food out of the mouths of a young family is an ugly an ugly look and it's like i think that's a great show not tell of like what desperate straits these people are in look
1: here's the thing like this is her family including her and her mom and as they get closer, I'm like, "What happens if he if she touches accidentally her daughter? like is there does that break the space time continuum i kept I kept like wanting them to be separate in the same way that uh that Marty is warned very specifically, do not interact with your family members when you go back in time, like right. no such warning is levied here against kira and i mean after after defending her own family from these these soup pirates she is asked a couple of times what her name is and she has to come up with a name on the spot right
0: and this name is just so bright and so sharp that the sign it just blows up because the name is just so powerful
1: her name is luma Raw. A name that means nothing to me. Did that mean anything to you?
2: No, it didn't mean anything to me either, and I didn't write it down, so I couldn't remember where you were headed. And I thought, I thought that the joke was going to be that it did mean something, but it doesn't.
1: Yeah. Luma Rawl is her name. That name again is Luma Rawl. So So uh, cue the Cardassians entering the Star Trek caves, led by a Bajoran fuckhead named Basso. Uh, they're there to do harem recruitment. Right. And uh Basso's a guy that you just want to see explode at some point in
2: the episode in a horrifying graphic way. Yeah, you like if if we could do a mirror universe Odo type explosion for this guy, that would be great.
1: I can't remember a person I've hated so immediately on an episode before. Like Basso is played by an actor named David his name is David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm going to pronounce his name. B-O-W-E is his last name. Uh, David Bowie really, really playing the part here uh, of the hateable man.
2: Yeah. I mean, because it's one thing to collaborate, but it's another thing to collaborate with the amount of zeal that this guy brings. I mean, he's
1: great at the collaborate part, but he does not listen.
2: Right. And, uh, and that's really that's really infuriating. This
1: is known as something at, like, uh, like internment camps, right? This has got a name for this type of person, right? What am I thinking oh. of? Yeah, Basso the Capo.
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: Is what he is. And yeah. uh, I don't necessarily think that's a wrong uh, label to give him.
0: Yeah. But my children! Your children will eat better than they have any right to. But he is
2: a, a species traitor and uh mm-hmm. seems seems to really enjoy that role and the power that it, it brings him. In. It's interesting that his uniform is kind of a Cardassian fabric but a Bajoran military look. It's got those like mm-hmm. shoulder patches that season 1 Kira and all season all other Bajoran uniforms have. Yeah. yeah. So uh so among the ladies that are grabbed here are Narice and Maru. And uh, they are taken promptly up to Terak Nor in orbit of Bajor. And uh, and this is like a really tearful scene because they're, you know, saying like, don't forget about me to mm-hmm. you know, Kira Maru is saying, don't forget about me to her husband who is there with their crying children uh, thinking quite reasonably that this is probably the last time he'll ever see his wife
1: i thought this is a really well done scene yeah. super affecting and it goes by like that i think the pace of this episode is fairly consistent it really chugs forward
2: fast it really does they get their their brief tour of deep space nine and then they're gussied up into fancier dresses like the kira women are uh, are stationed in quarters together and uh and the Kiramaru is like totally shocked at the spread of food that's available to them. And uh I mean it's like it's everything. It's it's gumbumbum bum beans and lamak fruit and uh and hasparat. Piled high with all the fixins. Speaking of wraps, Adam, the haspirat I feel like is typically depicted as a wrap, and in this it looked more like a tahini sauce or something. It looked like a, a sure did. dip. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like too much dip, T-B-H. Yeah, like a disgusting amount
1: of dip. Like, if you were to take a chip and dip and fill up the chip part with dip, that's how much dip it is. That's how much dip it is. They're really going to town. Kira is, like, cautioning her mom, do not eat so fast. It's going to make you sick. And her mom is like, I'd love to be that kind of sick. (laughs) I've been sick from hunger for years. Easy, easy. You don't want to make yourself sick.
0: Lay off me,
1: I'm starving! Imagine barfing out all this food and how good that's going to feel <laughs>
0: compared to how
1: I normally feel. Trust me, it's going to be fine.
2: Maru's on a real emotional roller coaster because she's like, she literally goes from like being thrilled about this food
1: Do you know how long it's been since I've seen fresh MOBA? Nice. Nice!
2: To like weeping over the fate of her husband.
0: If only Taban and the children were here. Nice. Nice! Nice!
2: In the same right. breath. And Major Kira is not reassuring her. She's like, yeah, like, I would not count on things being all peachy keen for your husband and children going forward. Like, that is what the Cardassians are telling you, but they're not, like, trustworthy narrators on something like that.
1: Right. And there's, there's a physicality happening between the two characters that is very maternal, in a way that goes unspoken, right? Yeah. Like the way Kira cares for her mom physically, like touching of the face all the time. They get
2: to intimate the, uh, an intimate level of interaction in a really fast time that is, you're right, it's like, I think it's really interesting that it's uncommented on, but it also feels really real.
1: Yeah, that's kind of magical if you ask me about
2: this scene. Because Kira Maru is not a character that gets a ton to do, but... The chemistry really has to be there between her and Nana Visitor for this to work, Heck. you know. And uh, so I think she's super well cast for that reason.
0: What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing now? These
1: two join the harem of other Bajoran women the next day. Uh, they're set up in, in sort of a presentation line yeah. uh, by by Shitheel
2: Basso. It's like Dukat's going to come in and inspect the troops, and by troops, I mean women that are going to be distributed for unspeakable things to Cardassian officers.
1: Right. Basso's got the attitude of the Shitheel department manager of a retail store who's like just... Power mad right. and condescending. He's concentrated shit id. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's Right. He's just the fucking worst. He's he's uh he's got a he's in a dead end career, but he has just a little sliver of authority, and that's all he right. needs.
1: He does not have authority over Gul Dukat, who comes in to inspect the
0: goods. Make one mistake and I won't hesitate also. to go. That's enough.
1: Nice. Nice It's clear that Maru. And to a certain extent, Kira are not going to like. There's a way to be when you're being inspected by Dukat, and they're not really obeying the rules. They're talking. They're talking back. Yeah,
2: Kira's feisty, you know, and and she comes yeah. from a feisty family. Um, <laughs> I liked that. Uh, I liked this scene with the dermal regenerator because Ducat catches that mm-hmm. Kira Maru has a a big scar on the side of her face, and. Uh, Basso is like, uh, sorry, boss, I'll throw her out the airlock and get another one. And Ducat says, no, no, just get a dermal regenerator. We'll fix her up right now. That's such a great show, not tell about the cruelty of the occupation. Like, if this technology exists where for free and flawlessly we can mm-hmm. repair an injury like this, but it's not distributed yeah. evenly, like, it really makes you think about, you know, Ducat has, has, been obsessed with the idea of rehabilitating his image since he was prefect, and that that storyline is uh, is dealt with a bit in this episode. That Ducat doesn't want to be seen as the cruel, evil, evil ruler, but if if something like this is allowed to exist, then he for sure is.
1: This scene is full of irony for me because this is past Ducat. This is before he had a dermal regenerator close up his butthole, remember?
2: Right. Yeah. Wow.
1: This is also a scene that made me, again, think about what the rules are for time travel, because they're so close to danger here, right? Kira and her mom, like face-to-face with Dukat. What happens if there's danger? Like, the Wizard of Oz analogy is like, can can she click her heels together and go back to Bajor right. in her own time? What would happen if her life was threatened in the past like this? We're never given any indication of, of what would, that would be.
2: We don't know what began the time travel, how how the timing of where she went back to was picked, or what will end it.
1: As soon as her mom's image is changed with the dermal regenerator, I'm like, well, that, did that really happen? Or is that a thing that Kira made happen by virtue of her presence? Back to the Future is so good at, at things like this because you get that Polaroid picture. Right and you get to like visually comp what you're doing to pollute the timeline with its consequence in the future and there's just for a episode that is about time travel yeah. It ignores everything interesting about time travel and instead is just about experiencing a story as if it wasn't time travel at all.
2: And we've had time travel episodes on this show that we're much more worried about what will happen in the future if Cisco leads a uprising of poor people in San Francisco or whatever.
1: It makes me wish that with just a stitch of dialogue... The time travel orb could just be, it's like a television and not an experience you can change. Like, you can interact with these people, but this is, this is like, right. uh, just replace it's a small world ride. Like, like,
2: like these people are going to do what they're going to do. Just replace Cisco's dialogue about the Federation prohibiting messing with the timeline with, you know, what do you think it's going to get you? Like, you won't be able to change anything because yeah. you can just only observe with the orb of time travel, something like that. Yeah. It's an interesting choice. But but I think the, like, hand-waving past it does enable them to make us feel like there are stakes here, where they might not if we felt like it was just a television.
1: This feels very much like an element to the story. Like, we we decide the stakes of this after the story's already been written and to an extent broken, right? Because, like, if we're writing this in a linear way, you and I are going to add conflict and add danger As we go and make the stakes higher. But if you've already built the story, then you know
2: not to add those things. Sure. Yeah. Well they uh, yeah. they the the first uh, duty they have as comfort women is to be present at a party for some Cardassian officers. Uh Kira Maru gets grabbed by a young officer who puts the moves on her pretty aggressively, and Kira Noris uh is uh, made to sit on the knee of a legate who is trying to be sort of the avuncular legate figure. He's he's definitely got legate bod.
0: That's because you Cardassians eat all our food.
2: And what they do is watch as uh, as Gul Dukat comes in and scares off this younger officer, and uh, and and sort of like puts his the game into into effect. And this legate really has Dukat's number. He knows exactly how Lukat, Dukat bags chicks.
0: I only hope you won't condemn us all for the boorish behavior of one man. I only hope you won't condemn us all for the boorish behavior of one man.
2: Ducat's about to find out whether Kira Maru is a no-win scenario, much like the Kobayashi Maru.
1: <laughs> it's interesting how, like, like what a monkey paw situation this entire situation has become, right? Like these women have comfort and food and dresses and stuff, but the cost is hand jobs. So many hand jobs. Yeah.
2: and OSHA unapproved number of hand jobs. And right. And I mean, I th- that's another thing about this is like the, like the cruelty and gruesomeness of the of the idea of comfort women is. Mm-hmm. Not something the episode is that preoccupied with. It's just like well, Kira's put on a dress and is getting tapped, you know, slapped on the butt by a, a legget.
1: That's a great point, Ben. Like these women are
2: for fucking, yeah.
1: specifically, and it's very chaste the way that the episode presents this idea. Yeah,
2: it treats it like it is fantasy, like she's watching a TV episode, and not like she's actually at risk of being raped. And I think that that is a pretty strange choice. Kira ends up walking home
1: with this guy, and uh, he gives her the pretty hard sell about going in with her. It's like, now... I know I'm in your past, Kira, so I have no idea what I'm really talking about when I refer to this, but uh, I believe it is time to produce the wife. (laughs) But this is another magic trick of this episode, Ben. Somehow she talks him out of going into her quarters with her.
0: You go sleep in your quarters. I'll sleep in mine, and tomorrow... Tomorrow, you'll be all mine.
1: And he... Fucking teeters home, yeah.
2: Like like a drunkard. Kira is very persuasive in that way. She what she finds in her quarters is not Maru, but Basso and a couple of Cardassian guards. They are uh, they are gr- grabbing Maru's stuff so that they can take it up to Gul Dukat's quarters, where she is going to be living going forward.
0: Looks like you're going to have these quarters all to yourself, at least for a little while.
2: And so she uh, she gets in a great big Star Trek fight with the. Cardassian guards, but she loses and is uh, thrown very unceremoniously into the ghetto side of the space station, behind the gates.
1: She's not going to fit in very well in the soup line wearing that dress. <laughs> <laughs> ben, she sure she's isn't. She's going to stick out like a
2: sore thumb. Yeah. Really question the wisdom of uh, of, of building a space station for forced labor uh, with a with a carpeted floor, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: you know that that
1: floor is going to stink. That does not look like in, indoor outdoor carpeting no. either. No, it looks bad. Morning. Morning. Morning.
0: Morning. 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 Morning.
1: The supline server is an informant for Kira. It turns out. And uh, we we understand that there's been a jump in time here because he soon tells her that Maru has been off station for a while, yep.
2: vacationing
1: with Golda And And uh, as he does this, he's doing his best to recruit Kira into his own resistance cell.
2: Yeah, I thought a lot about the implications of this because one of the things he asks her for is draw a map of the other side of the station that we can't go to. And Kira would probably be great at this, right? She's lived on this station yeah. for a long time. She She yeah, knows where we've... everything is.
1: I just got the sense that she did not respect his resistance game yeah, at all. Yeah, That's the thing, like, Supline server thinks that the best way to utilize Kira is by getting her to draw pictures, but Kira knows that the best way that she can operate as an agent for her own interests is by using her relationship with Kira Maru. Like, she can operate inside and outside the gate basically anytime she wants, if only by saying that I would like to be friends with Kiramaru.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a real superpower. And it is kind of right as this happens that Basso shows up and taps her on the shoulder and says, You've been summoned by the by the boss man and they go up to Dukat's quarters. I really like the scanner in the hallway outside his quarters. Yeah. I thought that, that was a really Really cool that thing to to have there without commenting on, so that later when she's got a bomb, we're like, oh shit, there's that scanner.
1: Pretty weird, though. Like, Kira goes through the scanner, goes into the corridor, she finds Maru there, and Maru's like, yeah, so Dukat has allowed me a comfort friend, and I want that to be you.
2: Yeah, and I want you to have a few comfort friends, and then they get a few comfort friends. And so on, and so on, and so on. And so on. And so on. You know how these things go. We could all be making like really good money if you get in on this scheme with me.
1: <laughs> it's clear that Maru has changed her feelings for Ducat. But it's weird, like the way that her brainwashedness presents itself still feels pretty broken. It's weird. Kira's horrified by what she's seeing out of her mother. Right. But there it but her mother's feelings aren't full throated support for Guldukat. It's like listening to a person rationalize something awful happening to them for some sort of like greater benefit. Like how do you convince a brainwashed person that the person that they voted for, <laughs> I mean fallen for actually <laughs> hates them and is dangerous and insane? Right. Like that's the position that that she's put in, right? Yeah,
2: and there's like that cognitive dissonance of they believe that this is going to bring benefit to themselves and their family, despite all the evidence to the contrary.
1: I mean, Kira has all of the arguments loaded and ready. Like, what about your husband, she asks. And the math that her mother does is
2: like,
0: What do you expect me to do? Kick and bite Dukat every time he comes near me? How is that going to help Taban or the children?
2: And Dukat comes in here and kind of continues that same line of argument he is defensive of the way he's treated kira maru in a way that like you wouldn't think that he necessarily like i think that maybe if we didn't have a prior relationship with gul he wouldn't he wouldn't care about what kira's opinion of his Mm -hmm. treatment of kira maru was but Mm -hmm. he does He, he he defends it and I mean, I, and I, I guess that's that's the Ducat of the past making the case for Dukat being this, like, benevolent leader that he always considered himself to be.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how little work Gul Ducat has to do in this entire episode, right? Yeah. Like, it's really about Kira Maru's attitudes. It's not about him, almost whatsoever. That's interesting, like... Looking at, at the story on paper, you'd think he'd need to do more, but he doesn't. He Like, he's not a different person back then.
2: Yeah. No, he's not. This episode is about Kira finding out that her mother is a different, more complicated person than she imagined her to be. But mm-hmm. I think it's also really interesting that they could use a story like that to tell how Ducat is not a different person in the past than he is in the present. Yeah. So... Kira
1: talks her way out of becoming a comfort friend to her mother <laughs> and uh, gets thrown back into the the soup line yeah. half of the station. They get in a
2: big, fat fight, and, uh, you know, it's like they say never meet your heroes and also never meet your parents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is what they say. We should have taken that advice. Yeah. The, uh, the soup man isn't just a soup server and, and founder of, of an— Erzad's resistance cell. He actually has access to like bomb-making materials. Right. And what he presents Kira with is a ground-floor opportunity in blowing up Gul Dukat.
2: He's uh, he's got some jewelry for her, and uh, he says, "Now, you know, this is really nice stuff. Better than you could buy at a store, and for cheaper prices. And if you get a couple of friends to start selling this stuff, and then they get a couple of their friends, we could all be making a lot of money."
1: This Bajoran earring has a 20-meter blast
2: radius. <laughs> that's fucking huge. This mother's going to blow big. Yeah. It's going to blow... <laughs> like, I don't... It blows a section out of the station, probably, when it goes off, right?
1: Th- that's what I was just going to ask. Like, like, this little piece of dialogue flies by super fast, but, like, what are the chances that she destroys the station with this thing if it's placed incorrectly?
2: It seems high. It also does not deliver on that promise because we do see it no. go off spoiler alert
1: the main thing that Soupman is nervous about is is tipping off maru it's not that it could possibly kill everyone on board the station <laughs> maybe but kira's like look i'm not gonna tell maru everything's fine she's a she's a traitor i'm planning
2: to kill her with this thing maybe the Bajordans have a different metric system than we do do you ever think about that adam right.
1: Now it's all I can think about, and it's making me forget all of the many problems I have with the rest
2: of this episode. <laughs> so she, uh, she, Kira tells Basso that uh, she has some regrets about how th- things were left with Maru, and she would like to go back up to Goldykat's quarters. Uh, she is able to walk right through the scanner with the explody earring, and uh, and she gets in there. Dukat and Kara Maru are canoodling in uh, you know over by the dinner table. And um, Kira tells her like, "Hey, I uh I blew up last time we saw each other. It was not cool, and uh, and I'm wondering if you'll accept my apology.
0: I'd like us to be friends again."
1: There's like a moment, a pregnant pause <laughs> where you're like, "Is she Is she not? Of course she's going to forgive her."
2: Yeah. Big
1: hug. Everyone's happy. She
2: does, like, look to Gul Dukat to get the little nod of approval.
0: You
1: do believe me, don't you, Gul Dukat?
0: (laughs) Here, would you care for some gum?
2: Uh, Basso gives Dukat a honey stick that he then gives to Maru, and they all leave, leaving um, the Kira ladies alone. And uh, Kira Maru pops this thing into the computer and starts watching it, and it is, in fact, a video from... Her husband, Kira's dad, Kira Taban. She's watching it while, while Narice is is planting the bomb in a potted plant off in the corner.
1: Is it possible to fall in
0: love in one day? I did.
2: I thought this scene was maybe the
1: my favorite of the episode. And the reason is that everything you know about Goldukat would lead a person to believe that the video he gives you to watch freely like, Hey, here's a honey stick. You should watch this is going to be a fake right? or something fucked up or like a video of her husband saying under duress, like we're getting a divorce. I hate you. I've never loved you. Like something like that. Right. But because gold has such confidence in his convictions and, and everything that comes with like the confidence of evil, the truth of what's on the honey stick does not affect him at all. Right. He He's, like, there's nothing on the honey stick that's gonna change what's happening to him or the people that he has a relationship to, and that is almost the most evil part of him. Yeah. Is that he's so untouchable in his own mind. And that's what made this scene so effective, is that, like, it was actually Taban telling his wife how much he loved her. It was the truth, Yeah. and that's the part that hurts.
2: Well, it hurts for that reason. The scene hurts because Major Kira is now seeing this through her mother's eyes and understanding yeah. that the thing Ducat told her in the FaceTime at the beginning of the episode was true, and that her mom did go off and live with Ducat for seven years, and the uh, you know, and 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 all of that is is going down while we know that the. The clock is ticking because there's a 3 minute timer on this bomb. So, right. she has to kind of realize all of this and then get Ducat and her mom out of the room. I kind of felt like she could have just gotten her mom out of the room though.
1: But to leave Ducat there would have some lasting consequences in the timeline. And it
2: would break the continuity. Does she do you think that she saves Ducat just out of a sense of duty to the future?
1: That's the thing about people like Ducat, right? You whack that mole, and, uh, and a Damar pops up in their, in their
2: place, right? Yeah. There might be an Uday and a Kuse waiting in the wings for Ducat to yeah. fall. It's in the
1: aftermath of the explosion that Kira wakes back up in the temple. It's broken
2: the spell. It's just a uh, okay, well, adventure over, close doors, go back home. And
1: yeah, the, uh, the ride comes to a stop. That, that big metal <laughs> bar comes up. <laughs> she gets up. She's a little bit dizzy because she's been rocked a little bit. Yeah, she, she goes and has a churro.
2: She was thinking about slipping the, the, uh, the carny a 20 to let her, let her go around one more time, but uh, it was just a little too much, so she hops off. And uh, the button on the episode is a scene with her kind of downloading this with uh, Captain Cisco. And having done a little done a little bit more sleuthing, she finds out that she finds out that her mother died in a Cardassian hospital seven years after these events.
0: When a genealogist does your family tree, they send you all the records that they find. She was
2: she was lied to her whole life. Seven years.
0: Do you know how many Bajorans died in the labor camps during that time?
1: Pretty wild. Sisko is a great person to have this conversation with for Kira, I think, because he asks all of the interesting questions, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, he asks the questions that we would ask.
0: If you hate her that much, why did you save her life?
1: The ambiguity of of Kira's answer here is that, like, she did it because she was her mom. It wasn't because she believed in what she was doing. It was familial more than it was for
2: any political reason. Right. say so, uh, it's a, a gut punch of an ending.
0: There's a part of me that wishes that I hadn't. To-
2: did you like the episode, Adam? You really want to do this.
0: Here. Now. Okay. Okay.
1: Let's do it, do it. I like the episode a lot if I set to the side that it is a time travel episode mm-hmm. because this isn't a time travel episode, really. It it prescribes to none of the rules. None of the fun conventions are in place. None of the many dangers are are a part of it. Absolutely none of it. Right. This is a lot like the episode where o'brien goes undercover to get intelligence for for starfleet intelligence right this is just a dangerous mission that kira's on with dangerous people right she may or may not get close to the way that o'brien did in that one episode a few weeks ago so yeah totally like, to the extent that you can remove that idea from the ep i think there's a lot to enjoy here but but why ben <laughs> like why hang the story on on a conceit that's so much more interesting. Like, this doesn't need to be a time travel story.
2: Yeah, I'm not quite sure how you break it otherwise, but, like, the fact that she gets back and she's like, yeah, like, I ran a Google search and I found my mom's death certificate and it was not as I expected. It's like, oh, you could have just done that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think in a dark way, too, it just makes me think this is, like, one of those accidentally contemporary type stories that we occasionally get in a show that's more than 20 years old which is like you know my family members might be doing some morally ambiguous shit and that's that's putting it like generously (laughs) but what are you gonna do they're still my parents right and I think uh I think more and more as time goes by that's not gonna fly anymore you know I hope not family does not forgive moral repugnance in a way that uh it might have worked in the late 90s. At least I don't think so. Personally it doesn't that doesn't fly with me.
2: Yeah. The other to- Thomas Kopachi episode with Kira was Ties of Blood and Water, I think. Was hmm. the title of that. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh interesting little sequel to that episode. Yeah. Well, uh Do you want to see if we have any sequel to last week's Priority One messages? (laughs) Couple of cliffhangers there, if I recall.
0: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Supplemental Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship.
1: Then our first Priority One messages. From present Tyler And it is to Future Tyler
2: Mm. More time travel I I thought that this episode was Done with the time travel But we're just getting started
1: See I read present Tyler Before reading future Tyler And I thought at first maybe present Tyler Would be uh, in one of those Big cakes that you pop out (laughs) of Not that kind of present Mm. Message goes like this Greetings Tyler It's me you. It's April 21st. You've just finished a rewatch of TNG and listened to some great pod along with each episode. Now, you're beginning a DS9 rewatch with a pod to go along with it. All right. What will things be like when you hear this P1? <laughs> will Captain Potter come back? Please, God, yes. Probably. Well, you'll find out one day. <laughs> Until then. Wow, can you imagine being the Tyler of April 21st?
2: Yeah, I mean, no, but, but wow. So
1: It was an innocent time back then.
2: Yeah. Adam, we have another Priority One message from Bridget, last name left in engineering, and it's for Ben, Adam, and the friends of DeSoto. Goes like this Today went out of, quote, necessity I had to be in the office And just before going on lunch My boss asked if I could fix her spreadsheet It was an easy fix But then I remembered Scotty's advice And told her that it would be very complex And take several hours After a nice lunch I fixed the spreadsheet much sooner than expected Now I'm a miracle worker Alright That's what you want to do Bridget learned the lesson of uh, of under-promise and over-deliver from Star Trek
1: Good job, Ibridget. Bridget Yeah That's, that's the, I, I would argue, the most important lesson that Star Trek can teach That's one of the
2: awesome things about having a technologically illiterate boss, too Is you can really fucking string them along Like, yeah, just yeah. I don't know if we're going to be able to print ever again Because this is not a printer problem It's like a network problem Right <laughs> I love it Well, if you'd like to uh, help support the show by getting a priority one message, you can do it by heading to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Personal messages go for a hundred bucks, commercial messages go for two hundred bucks, and we really appreciate it because it helps us keep the lights on around here. Hey, Adam. What's happening? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk
0: Drunk Shimoda.
1: Shimoda. To me, it's obvious it's it's Cisco. (laughs) Cisco is the one that. Kira asks permission to go and fuck around with time travel. Yeah, Cisco does that thing where he's like, uh, "Are you asking Cisco the captain or Cisco the emissary?" And <laughs> Kira's like, "The emissary. I promise, <laughs> Cisco the captain would never allow this to happen." And somehow Cisco, Cisco hears this and is like, "You know, you're right. It's a good thing you're talking to Cisco the emissary because go for it." <laughs> I don't know how Cisco can hold those two ideas in his head at the same time. I think the answer is the same, whether you're the emissary or the captain. How can you risk this? Yeah. It's insane to me. Uh, Cisco's my drunk Shimoda. What about you?
2: Dax is my drunk Shimoda in this episode for her extremely insensitive proposition of a party to wharf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> get it together, Dax. You don't need to uh, you don't need to troll your husband like this. Yeah, not nice. (laughs) Not cool. Not nice at all. Am I right?
1: You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great, because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace.
0: Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put
2: in another order microdosing is a technique i use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week
0: and uh, i just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping, today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs)
2: topics you'd never expect
0: to be the title of the podcast secretly incredibly fascinating find us
2: by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app and at maximumfun.org It's about time that we uh, have you head to the game of buttholes. The Will of the Prophets. Fire up that board game while I tell you that next week we'll be watching season six, episode 18, Inquisition. An internal investigation indicates Dr. Bashir may be a Dominion spy.
1: I mean, I think we'd know by now if Bashir were a spy. He's... He's only wearing that tux on the holodeck. Yeah, this would, this would come as a shock. Well, uh, while we may not know whether or not he's a spy, what I can tell you is that the Game of Buttholes, Will of the Prophets, has our runabout on square 63, uh, where one square ahead is the Starship Mine square. Oh, no. Uh, Of course, that's the square where we are tasked with building a starship model while recording uh, a proximity to our runabout, which is incredibly dangerous given I have the dice (laughs) and we'll be rolling right now.
0: You're required to learn as you play. Roll.
1: And luckily, I've rolled a two. Tula,
0: Did I win?
1: It's hopped us barely over that starship mine square. We are on square 65. (laughs) And uh, I'm not sure I've ever been more relieved (laughs) to know that it is a regular old episode.
2: We won't be getting high on glue fumes on the next episode.
1: Yeah, just the regular glue fumes that we keep around when we record. Uh, Not anything uh, cyanoacrylate.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously, this show wouldn't be what it is without glue fumes, but. Right. (laughs) It's the secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Well, that's uh, an episode I'm very much looking forward to, Adam.
1: Our episode would be nothing without uh, our legion of viewers out there supporting the show
2: That is true Um, We really appreciate everybody that heads to MaximumFun.org And signs up to support on a monthly basis You can also support by leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts And if you uh, leave your review in the form of a question, we might answer it on a future show
1: Really helps us out a bunch You want other people to listen to the show and not just you, right? Yeah, That's how you do it.
2: Spread the word. Somebody that spreads the word every week for us is our buddy Bill Tilly who makes comedy trading cards based on every episode. He's got a Twitter account, BillTilly1973 and He uses the hashtag GreatestGen as do many other friends of DeSoto who use social media to talk about the program.
1: You'll love the music on this show. Maybe even as much as me and Ben. You might be interested in knowing that that comes from Adam Ragusia, the now-famous YouTube chef. Uh, He, of course, was inspired by the great work of Dark Materia, who created our original theme music for The Greatest Generation. All these fun interstitials lovingly produced by Adam Ragusia. You can check out his YouTube channel. By just searching for his name, I, I recommend you do. It's yeah. one of the great channels.
2: Check out our other, our other shows as well. Uh, we've got The Greatest Discovery and Friendly Fire. Both also on Max Fun, both really worth your time.
1: And with that, we'll, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine,
0: in which
1: the hosts are acting very suspicious. Make
0: it so.